On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. I'm straining his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. <laughs> Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Post Morning on this Monday, the 6th of June. Great to be back in the chair. Big thanks to Luke Marlowe for his efforts last week on Sky Sports Radio and looking forward to today's racing. Fortunately, we've lost our two New South Wales meetings today. No Goulburn and no Bathurst meeting today. We will have racing around the country. We've got on Sky Thoroughbred Central today, Thangul, which we will be previewing with Michael Charge a little bit later on. And Richard Bell is also going to chime in with a look at Northern Racing today. So hopefully we can try and get you a quid for racing. That is ahead, of course. Midweek, we will be at Canterbury. Armadale, fingers crossed, will be at tomorrow in New South Wales. Gosford Thursday. Dubbo and Tari on Friday. And all roads lead to Royal Ramwick on Saturday with the support card of Grafton, Newcastle Parks and... Uh, also looking at uh, Gulgong, Hawkesbury and Sapphire Coast on Sunday. That Gulgong meeting, a non-tab meeting. Our panel today is Ron Doversy, Glenn Munsey and Chris Roots. And we're going to take your calls on 13.53.53. Before we get right into Punters Post, we'll know our scratchings today with Tanya Thomas looking at the Thangul meeting. G'day, Tanya. Morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. Yes, Thangul today. The weather is overcast. The track is a heavy eight. The rail is true and there are 19 scratchings. The first race is at 12.55. Take out number 10, Miss Piper. 11, Rising Spirit and the Emergency 14. 10, 11 and 14. Race 2, number 4, Cross of Sacrifice and 5, Twisted Whiskey. 4 and 5. Races 3 and 4 are clear. To race 5, take out 2, Corumban. Five, Nick Sicko. Seven, iMagic. Eight, River Daisy. And nine, Heroic Angel. Two, five, seven, eight, and nine. Race six, number one, Hi Harry. Three, Mason's Chance. And nine, Such a Wit. One, three, and nine. And out of race seven, number two, Warrigal Lad. And the emergencies, 12 through to 16. Two, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Dave, out of race seven at Thangool. Fantastic. Thanks so much for that, Tanya. Looking forward to, as I said, that preview after Punters Postmortem this morning uh, with Michael Charge. Let's get to our panel and welcome, firstly, Ron Duffersey uh, to the show. G'day, Duff. Yeah, g'day, Dave. Um, geez, the, the turnover will be through the roof at Van Gould today. It'll be an exciting day for the host at Sky Thoroughbred <laughs> Central. It'll be, um, it's an open show. Uh, do what you like. It is, uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure who is in there today. Well, I definitely know it's not Munns. I know if Munns was in there, he'd be cracking the whip with replays and analysis <laughs> looking ahead for the week. How are you, Glenn? Very good. Thank you, Dave. Good morning to you. Good morning to everyone. Well, I suppose, Dave, you know, you just want to say a little different. You know, we haven't seen Red Zell's wins for a while or Winks <laughs> or some races that were run 18 months ago. You know, everyone's really interested in those. Uh, we're going to uh, have a little bit of chat about um, those later because I know that uh, there's been uh, plenty of chat on the socials about uh, some of these good horses. It's always this time of the year, isn't it, as we say good morning as well to Chris Roots, where we have obviously the, the finishing up very soon of the Queensland Carnival, and then before you know it, the Sydney Spring will be here. Yes, they'll be um, back into the um, spring racing and sort of looking forward. I spoke to Les Bridge yesterday, and he, he said... Um, Classic Legend probably goes in next week and I'll make a decision in about the next six weeks about whether he's going and he compared him to Latrell Mitchell. 
<laughs> he's he's always bringing Souths into it, isn't he? I see. I see. Latrell's got COVID this morning, though. I saw that uh, months. Oh well, you know, he, he, like, for a bloke that nobody likes, I've never seen a football player that has more column inches donated to him when he's not playing um, in the history of rugby league. <laughs> You know, he, he should be. It's like Sam Burgess in the social page. I'm waiting for Latrell to come up in confidential. Well, then again, Dave, I'm waiting for you to come up. Yeah, they say you're in um, the Adelaide Advertiser every second day in the in there, mainly in the police that. rounds. Um, I tell you what, I took a few tips from yourself and Duff, and even even um, Chris chimed in. Very good mail you blokes um, have given me uh, in regards to. SA in those wineries, so thank you very much for that, boys. We're going to get into what are the it, horses um, to follow? What are the horses to follow there? Rockford, Rockford is Rockford's the best by by a long, long way. Um, that was the big tip, and it was very, very strong, very strong Rockford over there in in um, in SA. Uh, you now, might put out the Rockford files, uh, <laughs> Dave. You know, revisit the eighties. Let's look at uh, um, the meeting that was. Uh, and as I said, we're going to open the phone lines early today. 13.53.53 is the open line number. If you want to get involved, ask our, our three panellists any questions uh, that uh, are on your mind, especially around the Rose Hill meeting. And Duff, already a text here. I know we're obviously dealing now with, uh, with winter racing, but uh, a couple of questions here about Purr and Away, uh, the Purr and Canto filly, and what you thought of its uh, win in Australia first time out. Well, you had to be impressed. She'd only had the one soft trial and, and was making her do in Sydney. She looks like she's a uh, she's a young filly who will get better um, because she's relatively lightly raced, so there's plenty of upside to her, and she showed a little bit of desire. So it's easy to get carried away with winter racing and left with egg on your face, but she's a... Um, look, she, she's got upside, there's no doubt about it. And uh, and she got the job done, and she got the job done well, well-ridden. Uh, so, yep, and landed. And she was quite solid in the market, which was a very strong lead to her chances, I must say. Uh, Chris, they're quite astute, aren't they, Australian bloodstock? Um, we've seen them obviously uh, tackle, you know, pick up these horses from Europe, but they seem to be delving into New Zealand now and picking up some of these horses. Yeah, I think the thing with New Zealand, the values back there, so they've... Um, They've gone over there and found this filly, and she, she was pretty impressive. She got a, she the way she finished off, and it was a little bit soft at the end. So um, maybe one or two more in the winter, and then pop her away because there's plenty of um, races for mares in the spring at several different levels. So if you could get if you can get the right right mare, you've um, you've got different options. You can go to Melbourne for the Empire Rose and Tristark, or stay here for the Invitation. So there's you know there's there's no lack of racing for races for these horses if they're if they're good enough and they can take the next step. But as Duff said, it is winter form, so you've just got to be a bit careful. But I think you've got to be on a next start just to see see her do it again. Was it money for a month? Uh, yes, she was very, very solid in the market, Dave, which is unusual for a horse, uh, A, having its first start in Australia, uh, only off the one trial at Scone. Uh, but the fact that, you know, she wasn't coming from sort of deep races in New Zealand by any stretch of the imagination. You know, she'd won, uh, she'd only won a maiden and then just won a, a, a three-year-old race, only $28,000 races at New Plymouth and Hastings. So it wasn't sort of the absolute top grade races there were but of the runners in the race she was very very hard in the market all day but it was one of those races Dave I think it uh, all in from start to finish we had four different favourites on Saturday in the race there but she uh, finished up you know of the one that didn't move the most in the market and uh, it actually ran a pretty ordinary way. 
Um, I was going to say Muns, but uh, Duff, do we uh, put a line through joviality, you know, slow to begin, and then there was that all issue, was it around the 600 where she sort of um, got pratted there with by Robadier, and I think Reese jones got a stretch for that, didn't he? Uh, yeah, look, it's, you have to give another chance because, of, you know, of the wet... Con- I think she's better on the dry to start with, even though it wasn't that heavy on Saturday. And she'd only had a softish trial going in. So I think she may have got in there underdone. She had a lot of weight. And, um, yeah, but we'll, let's just assess her after next time. But uh, a hard race to read, a hard day to read, because we've got all these horses coming back from mm. months and months of heavy, 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 heavy... And then we're going to, obviously going to throw up some different results, and which which it did on Saturday, uh, with a few horses improving sharply. You know, your, uh, your Max Nels, and, and there's a few others on the day. So um, I think we're going to just treat the form with a little bit of caution until we get a grip on it again. All right, uh, let's jump to, to race number one here, and I'll, I'll come to you here, Chris, because uh, Chris Waller produces uh, this two-year-old. Uh, first up from the trials, uh, Ospienko, and geez, it uh, it was a very impressive win, and there was a bit of money around for it too. It seemed. Right, Chris, got are we got lost? In good, got you in the got in the right position there, and um, just just went went from went really well. So I, I was really surprised. So. Um, I I thought um, it was really good late. I thought back row was okay as well. I think he's a really nice horse. I think it caught most of our attention in the trials, saying, well, this horse has got talent. I'd love to love to see a big market move for him. And it didn't happen until, well, he, I think he was about 17. She was, I think he was $21 at 19 in the morning. And I think he was 17 to 14 late uh, the last five minutes. But... Uh, I think there's a lot more to come from this horse. He, he's really bred to train on. Um, you've got to like his, the, the way he ambled through the line. He put a margin in him. He was 1,300 metres first up. So he's one that I'm I'm not um, penalising too much for being winter form. Because I think that race had a little bit of depth in it. Um, Baroque Road looked good, but he, there's obviously something that wasn't the right Baroque Road there. He had a slow recovery, and I think he was coughing. Back row or put the writing on the wall, Madame Pomery had uh, put the writing on the wall and he, he just treats them with contempt. So he's a, he, he's a good horse in the making. I've got no doubts in the wide, wide world. I don't, I don't think the, the fourth horse here went too bad either, the other first starter. High Blue Sea, when you consider, you know, he missed the kick and he had to do a lot of work in the race there. His run definitely peaked probably 75 metres from the line. Um, and that's interesting to note that the, I think, you know, the two sort of standout runs of the race were the two first starters, which is very, very unlikely at, at this time when you've got, you know, first starters taking on horses that have had a little bit of experience, albeit some of them only one run at 1,300 metres. So I think you've really got to stand up and take notice of those two horses out of the first. Okay, so and, and look, your starting price for SP um, on Riser was fourteen. What were his flux with the tab? Like, did they get anything out of him late months? Uh, well, he was he, as Duff said. He went up twenty-one in the morning. Well, he went up fifteen Wednesday, nineteen Thursday. Was twenty-one uh, Friday. He stayed twenty-one there. By the time we did um, the preview, I think he may have been nineteen. He was definitely nineteen when we, uh, you know, when we went to the. Uh, the mounting yard, but it very, very, very late 
Uh, he was 19 into 14, but still played overs on all the totes. So um, it was interesting to note there that uh, we were $14. I don't know what sort of general was about, but I, I can tell you uh, we were $14 at the jump. During the run, Duff, uh, you know, obviously you had eyes on, on some of these other horses. Uh, you, you know, the, 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 probably the other Waller horse, Madame Pomery, etc. What was it about this horse's win that you, you loved? Was it the fact that he was in behind them and, and, and that the, once he got that clear air about what the 150, he just really charged away? Well, it was just the dominance. You know, you, you wouldn't, knowing Chris, he wouldn't have been crunched right down being a first starter. He's a horse that, when you look through his pedigree, you think, well, he's, he's sort of bred to be a three-year-old. I don't know whether this is just going to be an education, <clears throat> an educational prep. Uh, but the way, I know they went out hard enough, but the way he just dominated that race late, um, you've got to stand up and say, well, there's a, there's a lovely miler in the making. Because, um, you know, Baroque Road, he did a little bit of work to get across, and then when he sprinted at the top of the straight, you think, well, how far is he going to win by? And then he folded up with issues. Madame Pomery, well, having looked at her win last start where she hit the front and just surged away, winning by three or four lengths, you thought, well, she'll, she'll, looks like her now. And this, this always just chimed in, um, what, what, whether they were stopping or not, it doesn't matter. He just chimed in and just raced away and just pinned those ears back like a, like a pretty good horse. We've got a caller, guys. Uh, our first caller, Ken, is on line one. G'day, Ken. Ah, g'day, fellas. How are you going? Very well, mate. What's uh, what's on your mind this morning? Oh, yeah. I'd just like to share a little betting um, experience I had at the weekend. I backed a horse on Friday in the Sunshine Coast, and then I saw it was out again on Sunday. Same horse, same name. So I thought, wow, they must be keen with it. So I backed it. Backed it blindly. Didn't need to look at the form. I um, told all my friends that this horse was backing up after coming a close third at a big price. So we all backed it. And then when we watched the race, it's a different horse with the same name. Righto. Um, so you're referring to what's okay, the name of the horse? What was the name of the horse, uh, yeah. Prince Albie ran on Friday in the Sunshine Coast and then run on Sunday in Geelong. Well, that, that should have uh, triggered an alarm to start with. Uh, well, horse running in two different states. I, thinking, I was thinking they were backing it up within two days just to... Um, just because it was so confident, you know, because it ran so well. Um, I've never heard of a horse having the same name in the same country. Just, uh, well, we had the chosen one and the chosen one raced here. Uh, the New Zealand, the chosen one, and there was a horse at the Gold Coast called the chosen one. They might have actually ran on the same day. So, uh, so you, are you talking yeah. Sunshine Coast Sunday? Prince Albie. Friday, first of no, all. Friday. Prince Albie, spelt Prince yeah. A-L-B-Y, trained by right, a Kiwi yeah. trainer, Kevin Tyler. It ran third at the Sunshine Coast on Friday in a benchmark 75 to Glen Ord. The other race, I'd say, the, the, see, and being a New Zealander, the, the, the Australian version might be spent, uh, spelt Prince A-L-B-I. Uh, I'll no, go to, where was it on Sunday? It was at uh, Geelong. At Geelong, right, I will go to the Victoria. This is what and we do, won. Dave, on this program. It's the only opportunity to you know that customers of TAB have to ring in and ask questions that are answered as quickly as we possibly can. I can't and see a Prince Albie winning at Geelong, yes, on no, Sunday. No, win. That's the thing. It came... It came oh, right. Last. That's, what, that's what rang the alarm bells, because it looked a different horse. And then when, when I investigated further, it was a different... It was a different horse with the same name. 
Okay, and uh, Prince Albie. It is, yeah, Prince it Alby. is, and it's spelt the same way. Prince Albie, yeah. A-L-B-Y, trained by Charlotte Littlefield at Pakenham. So the the situation there is you've got a horse coming over from New Zealand with a name. Whether or not um, it, is ju- it, it has just evidently slipped through the system, it should have had a name change to Mr. Prince Albie, my Prince Albie, our Prince Albie, or whatever. Yeah. So we do actually have two horses racing in Australia at the moment, albeit in different same states, name. with exactly the same name. Well, it's yeah, a race in Australia. Well, it's a race in Australia matter. All my friends <laughs> that I talked to back it, anyway, they were pretty stupid at the end of it. But, yeah, I just thought I'd like to share that and bring it up. I mean, I don't know how that can happen, but there you go. Okay. Either. There you go. You've got to, you've got to, these horses should have a clearance before they come in. They should yeah. be. That should. That's the first thing you check. These horses coming in from New Zealand, so that's a bad blue. That's a bad blue. Yeah. That's a. Um, it's a racing Australia matter, and they don't have anyone working there anymore after they all quit. So. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been a it's golden been, opportunity for some young people that like to get involved <laughs> into racing. Um, yeah. Fix their website first of all because it's legless. Yeah. Um, you know, great it's opportunities just, there for someone. And and, and it should have been picked up out when the horse was um, moved into training in Australia. So they they should have it should have should have been flagged like the chosen one and and chosen one that we had have in the spring. So um, surely someone's listening there. I think they're up on floor eleven at um, Druitt Street. Um, if there's someone there, they can start their morning by um, fixing up a problem for for a poor punter. Yeah, so right, if Ray Hickson's you. listening, uh, we've got Ray setting a task to change the name of the Winter Cup to the uh, Destiny's Kiss <laughs> Winter Cup on Saturday. I, I told him to think about it when he was walking the track. He usually walks the track when the preview's on. Um, but when he went up to speak to um, you know Graham Hitton or Peter Volandis, he can keep going up to the 11th floor and, and get that race with Racing Australia. Because the Prince Albie, the Kiwi Prince Albie, has now had three starts in Australia. Right, uh, so it's from the just... 8th of May, wow. uh, that was Prince Albie... Victoria, that was his first run back from a spell since last November. So it, it wasn't as if Prince Albie NZ just turned uh, up. had just no. snuck up on them. It has had three runs go. in Australia. Appreciate your call, Ken. That was uh, very Jeez, interesting. That's some raccoon spotting, isn't it? Yes, I tell you what. Uh, Mark's on the line. Good morning, Mark. on your mind, mate. Uh, just just with your phone too, mate. Just a little bit soft on your end. If you just if you could just adjust your mic. Yeah, sorry, that yeah that's a little bit better, mate. Not a one in that race yesterday. They were all talking about the first and second horse, but the horse chased the Nardi. Have you seen? He wasn't as good as the first two, but I think he's a pretty good horse. Uh, I 
said that yesterday on Thoroughbred Weekly. I think we're all raving about first and third. I think that fourth horse is a really, really nice horse, and I'm keeping tabs on him in case he slips them. I don't think he's in the JJ Atkins. No, he's not. I went he's looking not. for him at 100 to 1 or something. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit of a rat bag too, so um, just be wary. He can put on a performance. He pulled a shoe in the enclosure on Saturday, and they say he bolted. Uh, prior to the race uh, one day and was a late scratching at the sunny coast. Yeah, I know. I think I'm definitely... He's, a, he's my number one black booger for Saturday. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, just on um, that, uh, the Phoenix, um, what do we make of uh, Sharp and Smart, Duff? Yeah, well, it's going to be, he's a really nice horse, and he's going to be better with another, in a spring, you know, with, with the winter on his back in the spring, he'll be a better horse. Um, he, he's he got to learn to put a field away from the, all the videos. I've watched three of his runs. He threw the first one away running off the track. He won well the second time, and then he was good there on Saturday. But I don't even know whether he was any, any better than the winner, um, who... He just got lost when McDonald shoved him early trying to find a position, political debate I'm talking about. He he shoved him, he wouldn't go, he was he was green inside horses and seemed shy and then he pulled him three deep and he got into more of a rhythm and and that's after he got knocked down as well early. So I think there'll be differing opinions as far as what was the best run in that race, political debate or uh, sharp and smart and I I'm leaning to the winner, to tell you the truth. I, I, even though long-term, uh, Sharp and Smart may well make a, a very, very good 2,000, 2,400-metre horse. Mm, it's, you know, from seeing a bit of social media over the weekend, Chris, um, and this is classic Rogie, there's some big, big plans and dreams for Sharp and Smart. Yeah, I, I just think um, the Phoenix... A bit surprised these two horses are so clearly at the top of the market because... Phoenix is not usually the form race for for a JJ. It's usually the size. But having said that, political debate couldn't get in the size, and and Chris waited with him and went to this race, and he couldn't have been any more impressive. I think every horse had the chance to beat him on the weekend. I think James will ride him a bit more conservatively next week, and um, if he can relax the way he did in the second half of the race. He's going to have a much bigger bigger finish, and the determination to hold on was was really impressive. So he was he he was the one I'd take out of out of that for next week. Maybe going forward, the the other bloke might might turn out to be a better horse. But I think political but a bait's on top. But really, like Owen County, I think he he's he's taken the low road. He's um, stayed away from the win at Ramwick was uh, a win of a really nice horse that's just starting to put it together spoke to John Sargent about him, he's left Keegan Latham on him, he said the European style that Keegan brings with him, and I know there's a few traders in Sydney who think Keegan's as good as anyone in a tight finish um, will will suit this horse, and and if they go hard, he's going to be the horse that's going to get to the centre of the track and really charge home, and I think um, he's going to be he's he's the other horse in the race race that can really um, take a, a quantum step from his last win. Well, the mark the market tells you that the which is a little bit strange in a way that the the two Brisbane races, the size and the Phoenix, are the two form races because you got political debates favourite at three fifty. She's a belter out of the size at four. Sharp and smart out of the Phoenix at six. 
Breton out of the size at 11. And then uh, you've got Twin Stars out of the size at 11. And then you've got the two where you could put wild cards or, or, or blow-ins in a way. You've got Brosnan, who comes through um, the Victorian uh, races. And the only reason he went to Victoria was to find a dry track. And Owen County who comes out of that race at Sydney, they're both $11. So, you know, you've got two distinct Brisbane form lines and then you've got two interstate form lines which basically tell you what the market is. Yeah, and, yeah. and I know I know Sterling and, and Gerald Ryan, Sterling and Alexa and Gerald Ryan have always had a big opinion of Brosnan. It's a million-dollar yearling and it was they were just frustrated. They couldn't find a dry track in the in the autumn. So he's been, he's been um, carved back, went down to Melbourne, won over 1,400, and Brenton Abdullah will ride him, who rode him during the during the um, autumn, which is a, a pointer that Brenton wanted to stick with him. So he's he's not the worst in that race if he can handle Eagle Farm, which is you know one of the one of the one of the big um, things you need to do because some horses just don't handle that track. Yeah, yeah well, he, Brosnan was the horse that was used as the uh, the guide to see what the track was at Rose Hill on Friday. It worked on the course proper. Uh, for uh, for Sterling, well, Gerald was away, so Sterling, and we actually uh, he was very very good because we got him on uh, the punters panel on Friday, Dave, to uh, give us his opinion on um, Jay Ford said on Friday the track was on the better side of an eight on Friday, okay. but we finished on a six. Um, we've got another call on the line, guys. We've got Steve on the line, and g'day, Steve. G'day, Hello, Steve. Steve. You there, mate? Hello. How are you, mate? Yeah, g'day, guys. Hey, I just got a question for you about the Strand Road. Far away. Hey, uh, what do you guys make of Rothfire's chances? Do you think he's going well enough? I mean, he's running all right back, um, you know, back last couple of runs, but he's just just a couple of lengths behind him. Can he can he win? He needs to lift. He needs to lift. He he, he just hasn't had the desire that he's you know since he's he's had a, obviously he's had a lot of injuries. He was okay behind. Apache Chase the other day, but he stalked him and had his chance. So, I he can win. It's, it's one of them Stradbrokes where anything can win. I'm not saying he can't win, but it, it just you'd like to see a horse, you know, after the problems he's had, to probably put a win away before you'd want to back him. I guess yeah. If you if you've seen him, if he'd done it already, you know, this prep, you probably would be getting the, uh, the price you are though. No, no, definitely not. If he was the, the, the boom horse that we saw burst onto the scene, he'd be favourite. Hopefully there's just a bit of timing about it and, and Rob can get it done. Hopefully, for you, yeah. Hopefully if you're on him. Thanks, Boys, man. thanks, mate. Thanks for your call. Boys, are you surprised that Ayrton is favourite for the Stradbroke? No, because there's no other go-to horse. Yeah. Fresh you blood, know. Dave. Fresh blood. With, with yeah, the, the ten thousand, there wasn't a great deal between them, and Marzu's not there, and he beat Paul Laley. And mm. then the, the other day, there, there was what three lengths between first and last, uh, and Paul Laley was still there. So the, the fresh blood comes into the race, and you keep going back to the fact that Apache Chase beat those horses the other day. He started a similar price in the Stradbroke last year that he is this year. He had five kilos less, and he ran thirteenth. Eleven, mm. eleven um, hasn't got. He's only got fourteen hundred metre form at the Gold Coast, where he seems to race. He's, he's won three times at the Gold Coast. His three best wins of his life, uh, and he hasn't really blown anything away at fourteen hundred metres. Alligator Blood was just jumped out of the ground the other day. Can he back it up? Isotope's got to get to fourteen hundred, and you got the potential of Baller to pay up. Well, he won the same race last year, the the Morton Cup or whatever it was called last year. Uh, they didn't pay up for the Stradbroke last year. Uh, and they're considering paying up for the straight break this year, and he's got to run 1,400. 
Do you he think there's um, a horse, a leader in the field? Like, it's one of those ones where um, if they go if they go harder, it brings a lot of different different horses into it. And I think Ayrton would like them to go a little bit harder than they did in the Kingswood Smith Cup because I, I well, can't see them giving Apache Chase a, an easy lead again. Yeah, well, who's going to eyeball him and eyeball him and bring themselves undone? I I just can't see that happening. He's he, he's a bluffer, you know. He he he'll bluff him out of the lead and so if you want to take me on, or maybe Buffalo River, he's a horse that could go forward there. He, he likes to do the same sort of thing. So if there was a left field one to sort of take um, Apache Chase on, it probably would be Buffalo River. Yeah, well, mm. now that Rothfire's had three runs, uh, maybe Rothfire, and it all depends on the barrier draw. Like, uh, yeah. The, the last thing they'll want is uh, Apache, uh, Apache Chase to draw inside and just be banged straight on the fence. Because then it is up to something that's going to sit outside it. Two things, uh, boys. There's a text here. I'll come to you, Duff, about I Am Superman. Uh, this is a horse that um, they seem to always have a big rap on this horse, uh, Peter and Paul, um, and you trust their judgment. This has had the two trials, and he just doesn't seem to go a yard uh, on the heavy tracks, which is why we haven't seen him until now. And, and they like they like him going fresh, don't they, too? Yeah, they do, yeah. So there's a couple of horses in that boat that are going to hit this dry track, and we are all been on their backs, and they've been very costly. And I Am Superman's one. And the other one is the law of indices. And he's got all the ability in the world, but he just, the moment hasn't been there for him yet with all the wet tracks. And then you get him, um, you know, and then he's he's not primed, but he's the horse that's primed. Um, but does he know how to win a race again? I don't know. And I am Superman's in the same boat. And the other one, if we can trust him um, to reproduce and improve his alligator blood. Mm. The other one too, uh, and maybe Chris, you can use this or all three if you've got a comment. Has this race lost a little bit of its gloss this year um, compared to previous strap breaks we've had over time, where we've had you know some some maybe a better field? Could we say that? Is that fair to say, or are we still saying that this is a you know a gun strap broke field or shaping as a gun strap broke field, or is it a bit disappointing this year? There's a couple of good oh, ones. There's a couple of Group 1 winners there, and I just think it's the best that's around. But what's making it confusing, and this quite often happens in the straight break, is you, it's going to come down the race, straight, race shape and what's going to go forward. Like, I am Superman will go forward, we know that, but it might want to camp off them. So it's, it's, if, if, it's, if it's run at a hectic tempo, I don't think they can beat Ed because I think it'll be too, too strong late for them, and it, it really enjoys that sort of, that sort of racing. But if, it, if, they, if they just go along in front and go at a moderate tempo, well, it's up in the air because I've got a, I've got a question mark at Apache Chase at the 1400 too. So, mm. um, you know, that's, you, you can sort of go through them and find shoot, shoot holes in a lot of these horses at the top of the market. And is the calendar year getting shorter with all these big races now? You know, like yeah. you can't you can't keep them up all year. You got targets. You got you know multi million dollar races. You know, and, um, we'd hardly get a breakdown. So it's all timing and setting and placement. And uh, you know, the Stradbroke unfortunately comes up at the end of the end of the season, and it's it's the uh, what's left more or less uh, because mm. you know you got the. Uh, we've got a spring in Sydney now with big dollars on on show. We've got a, obviously the spring in Melbourne, and and um, yeah, it's never ending. There's a two week break before the carnival starts again. For me, the other it was always all go, Chris. The other thing is the Golden Eagle probably takes away a lot of the three year olds that used to have a crack at this with no weight on their back. There's not a three year old there this year, so. 
Yeah, well, that, that's that's sort of what I was going to say. It was a race that I remember growing up as a kid where you'd have these young horses. I mean, we, we spoke with Tracy Bartley last week and Sniper's Bullet, uh, you know, going through. Um, that uh, that winner then of the Fred Best, um, Villana, is it locked? obviously locked in to go? Is it one that you're starting to look at now? Is this uh, the, the new kid on the block, Duff? Uh, one week he wasn't good enough to pay up, and the next minute he's back yeah. in business. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'd have to oppose him. Uh, but when Ganolford starts saying we're paying up for the Stradbroke, you got to probably, you know, uh, take a little bit of notice, and he will have support. But um, I, I'm going to treat him as a overbet horse. Yeah, I'd want to be on fly, flying crazy out of that race if it, if anything, uh, the Fred Best. Yeah. Well, the, the worry with Flying Crazy is getting in. It's 24th yeah. in order of entry at the moment, whereas Valana's guaranteed a run. It's, it's ballot-free. Because yeah. I wish uh, Kiss Sum had made it. I wish Kiss Sum had made it in. I think it would have been right in that race. Um, what about the, the Oaks? Let's talk about, um, firstly, not so much the performance, but what about the ride? Um, Pike, uh, I loved what he said afterwards. He said this numerous times before Saturday too that he was coming to Sydney, he was coming to the East and he wasn't just going to bugger off when the uh, vaccination uh, rules changed and go back to Perth. He wanted to really have a crack here. And the landscape's now changed over in Perth with obviously movement of Bob's horses to other trainers and uh, obviously CJP's uh, going very well over there. Um, This was almost 10 out of 10, this Oaks ride, Duff. Uh, yeah, I think Ruder would have won on it, actually, personally, honestly. <laughs> he just was negative at the start, he got across, and then she took hold of him, she just took hold of him, took charge of him there at the half mile. Um, the gypsy goddess took hold of charge of Pike, I think he'll, I think he'll concede that himself. But he's a great rider. He's a, what about his work ethic since arriving in Sydney? I thought, you know, he just, one of the, the king of Perth there, he'd, you know, pack his bag twice a week. Probably go to one set of trials every two months. And he's today, you know, he's in Sydney now. He's he's mixing it with a big team, big the big boys, as we say. And he's getting to the trials. He's riding every day. He's going to country meetings. And you'd think, oh, he's going to burn out shortly and just go back to you know riding in the city. But he's he must just love it. And he's he's really captured everyone's attention. Not that he hadn't before arriving in in, in Sydney, but. And he's really having a go. He's really having a go, and and he's going to have if he, if he sticks to the schedule and enjoys Sydney, which I think he is. And he's mm. going to be a, a real force well, next year. Duff, I remember chatting to him in Tamworth a couple of months ago now, um, <clears throat> when he was flying up there for the Tamworth Cup, and. Uh, he was having a chat with myself and Luke at the Calcutta. That's one thing. He gets around, he goes to Calcutta's, he supports the clubs when they uh, like him to attend. And we were talking about, you know, the, the workload. And he said, uh, boys, I'm, you know, I'm not going to hide it. Um, the amount of coin that I've been making uh, from not even winning every race. I mean, you, you would watch Ascot on a Saturday and he'd be winning four and five. He said, but by being here and just how strong New South Wales is, prize money-wise and opportunities-wise, he was, he was making really good income. So... Um, you know, I hope he does uh, does stay and uh, and continues it. Um, on that Oaks performance, uh, clearly best backed in the race, Munns, or do they want to bet around Gypsy Goddess? Um, well, the boys are still in the fetal position, Dave. After uh, that, they wanted to take it on, and they did. Um, it was a strange. Why do you think they wanted to? Why do you think well, they wanted to take it I, well, on? Well, Timmy said on Saturday morning he he just didn't think uh, that it was as good as the hype around it. Um, 
but it was $4.40 to $4.60 first thing in the morning. And by the time we got to the preview, which was 10 to 10, uh, it was back into 390. It got into short as 360, and then they got stuck into it and got it back out to $4.40 and paid the price. Um, but the horse that was very, very soft in the race on Saturday was Aravine. Well, it was a stage there on Wednesday, Thursday. You were looking at it as potentially starting favourite. Well, it was $4.60 to $8.50 on Saturday and, and may have even started $9. But um, the, the market, well, the punters got it right because, you know, they wanted to be with Gypsy Goddess. And the fact was she was at, you know, $2.80, $2.60 chance for the majority of the time we were betting on this race coming off running, you know, a placing in the Oaks where she started a $4 chance. Well, you'd think she's entitled to be a shorter price going to the Queensland Oaks. Uh, and then she drifted because it's the old adage, Dave. They draw wide, they get out. Um, but it didn't didn't really um, a- a- affect the punters. They just waited till she got to a price where they wanted to bet, and they just kept betting. Um, what about the ride? Took care of that barrier pretty quickly, didn't he? He was one off the fence back in the field, and geez, it, it was just one of those rides. That remind me a bit of Willie in Western Australia when he used to get back on horses and just circle them and ride them with a bit of arrogance that they were just too good for him, and that's what he did. And yeah. that's what he proved. I think he was just yeah, on think... the best horse, and he, I, I just can't believe we had the Derby winner draw twenty something. Um, and, and you know, doing speed maps is, I know some barriers are worse than others, but in these staying races where these horses are going to go back, and they can just, you know, especially with the fast staying races. That should make no difference to the market. And I think it was an advantage drawing wide. It's easy to say now, uh, looking at the makeup of how, you know, a lot of slow horses going fast there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing with it, Duff, is in those um, Oaks and Derbies late in the season, there's a lot of horses that don't stay. So what what he, what, what took, he took out of the um, equation was he got going so early, when the horses were popping and coming back through the field that, that could have caused him any trouble at all, he was out wide enough and he got around them so quickly. He got around with, he was on Dynasty's back, got around it so quickly that he put it, put it, and put it behind him where he was chasing Dynasty's at the Gold Coast mm. and then got to the top of the straight and yeah, and you just thought, how far this? But, you know, it won by a length, but it was a, it was a, it was a good length, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <clears throat> and I think, I think it was the race before, uh, if you liked, if you liked Gypsy Goddess, you would have tripled your bet because the, there was the fourth, the first four down the middle of the track. I thought, hello, the fences, they don't want the fence anymore, and down the middle looks the go because one, two, three, four cleared out from the inside pack. And you thought, oh, this, uh, Willie Pike must be just sitting back there saying there was no. From that moment on, the previous race, there was no way in the world he was going to go forward in that race. He was just going to go back and swoop down the middle part of the track like the first four did in the previous race. Yeah, I just had a look. You talk about his work ethic. 26 days it's taken him to have his last 50 rides, and those 50 rides have earned $1.5 million in prize money. Mm. Try doing that yeah. at Narragin. No, he's making a quid. Uh, he's making a quid. Hey, uh, there's a text on the text line here, boys, um, and it's in regards to the last race there in Brisbane. This horse, um, uh, RNT, RNT, and just your thoughts on it. Uh, it's one of these um, local horses. Uh, McAvoy rode it on Saturday in that uh, in that last race. Stuff. Did it catch your eye? Yeah, he's a nice horse. He's a good-looking horse, and uh, the. Uh, Maxie and Bernie were wrapping him to me. I, I, I didn't know a lot about him going into the race. He's only had a, you know five or six starts, and he was um, 
pretty well up in class a little bit there on Saturday. So he's, he's kept a level of consistency about him. He, it wasn't that long ago. I think he only won a maiden at Doombin. So he got to this level quickly. He's a lovely horse. And, yeah, I, he, he does look a nice, nice type. Yeah, and he he looked to have a Thelric absolutely cold there, Dave, when when he when he when he came through inside him. But uh, a Thelric, well, a Thelric's won his last three now, four in a row, um, was just slightly too good for him. Uh, Punters left it in with ingratiating again. Uh, I don't know when they're going to be lining up to to want to back ingratiating again. Yeah, well, they say they're going to want to run him in the Stradbroke, looking for fourteen hundred. I think we're all doubting him at twelve hundred there on Saturday if there was a if there was a pot for him, but. And where sometimes we live in talking about chipping um, authorities <laughs> this morning, I'm, you know, we we live and die by the stewards' report now and again. I, I don't know if they've still got it in there. I was looking at the stewards' report Saturday night, ingratiating, uh, slow out wide, no cover. I don't think he left the fence. Um, he was on the fence all the way. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I have a look at the stewards' report. I don't know if it's been corrected from Saturday, but they had ingratiating. Yeah, you know, it just says now so to begin. Okay. They've changed it. They've so, changed it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Someone's rung up and said, what's going on? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break, boys, on uh, Punters Postmortem this morning. Ron Duffersey, Glenn Munsey and Chris Roots. Give us a call. 13 is the open line number. This is Punters Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It is uh, Punters Post Boredom. You're with uh, Ron Duffersey, Glenn Munsey and Chris Roots this morning on Sky Sports Radio. And we're taking your calls on 135353. 53. A couple of texts here wrapping a great man. Um, and I've got to, uh, we've got to give him a wrap as well. What about boys? Uh, I know that you guys were focusing on what was on Sky Thoroughbred Central in regards to, uh, to Sydney and, of course, uh, Brisbane. But what about the performance there on Saturday down the Flemington Strait? of Elvis. Looks like Elvis. Jared Austin, uh, wonderful placement um, and a lovely ride from Linda Meach. But, and I think they got a quit out of it too. I think there was a, a little trim up in the market, but that was uh, outstanding placement down the straight in that winner championship duff. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, he'd been to, I think he'd been to Flemington three or four times and run second every time. I'm just through memory back uh, when I was looking at it on, you know, during the week last week. But uh, obviously, um, he had him ready to go fresh. Uh, he'd uh, well, he'd been down the straight and run second before, and uh, Jared probably identified that nice and fresh down the straight. He's run well doing that in the past, and that's exactly what happened. He drew the right barrier, and he was good. Yeah, he ran into true. a lighthouse down the straight too. Um, there yeah, he did. Uh, he, he ran. He ran second in the Chester Manifold behind Lighthouse, mm. and uh, Curry rode him. He weaved through, and then um, before that, I think Jared took him down there to Packenham to win a goal, um, one of the sort of Vobus races. So he's he's placed him well, and gee, he's been a good horse. You know, he's nearly won a million dollars. He, he's nine hundred and fifty-eight thousand. He's won in prize money, fifty-five starts and ten wins. What a good horse he's been for connections. And he's yeah. won. I reckon he ran four for fifteen on Epsom as well. So he's he's just a hair off being being at that um, top level. So yeah. that race on the Saturday was really well good placing considering he's down in the weights. I did say down the straight. I mean, it was fourteen hundred. I must say, yeah. Yeah. Um, now uh, we move on, uh, gentlemen. We're going to jump back up to to Brisbane here. Uh, wanting to know your thoughts on uh, the first. I didn't catch the first stuff. Um, yeah. What did you make of it? Well, it looks like a, a slogger's handicap to me, but uh, I 
he's been well, he, he sort of improved quickly, didn't he? I think obviously back to the dry Bartholomew Diaz. He was second up for um, the stable. Um, this young apprentice is going really well, Jaden Lloyd, and and it was a bit of an upset really to find his form. He, he looked like he'd need a run in the yard, so there was no real push for him. Uh, but he, he he got the job done, and uh, yeah. They backed old mate there again. He, he cognac. He, he he's going much better, but he's just struggling to win a race. So, I I was keen on Oceanic Flash there, and he, he ran on without threatening. But I don't drop off him. There's a win in him shortly. Okay. Yeah. Well, to put it into perspective, this was a benchmark 85 in Brisbane. Bartholomew Diaz was in a benchmark 94 at Rose Hill, where it was a hundred to one chance, mm. Um, mm. and it managed to win that race. On uh, on Saturday, albeit was the outsider in the field was a seventeen dollar chance. Well, that tells you the sort of race that it was, where the roughy in the race is seventeen dollars. And I think Cognac was pretty good there, Ronnie. I wouldn't be giving yeah. up on him. Um, you just oh, keep going goodness. with him, all right? Because um, he, he, you know what, the tailor be... has been in the office uh, to actually measure him up. It, it's Mate. not unusual that we give a benchmark seventy horse a statue, but he's well, well, well on the way. Are I don't want Richard. To... Are you getting Richard into sort of lead him around well. so he could be in the in the statue as well, Mike? No, Richard won't come in because they said there was going to be a hairdresser there to give him a haircut. I I don't want to. Uh, he must be he must be doing something at home because it's funny. I'm good mates as you know with Will, and I said, "What's doing with that horse? It keeps being back." He goes, "Well, he said he if he if he worked like he did." At home on the racetrack, he'd be winning plenty more, but he's just an absolute nut job. So, anyway, well, uh, whoever's riding at work and tipping it to everyone, surely their numbers are going to be uh, blocked. <laughs> I don't usually fall into it, you know. The, the tip that Tommy Barry said to me about three. I've, I've been on his back defending him for three years, I reckon. Now, um, Tommy Barry said before his first run in Australia, oh, gee, "This is a classy horse. This, this is a this is a real good horse." <laughs> he was about twenties to about sixes of his first start in Australia. He went, he went like a camel, and then that when things like that stick in your head, sometimes he went for a spell. He come back, you make another case for him. He goes for a spell, he comes back, you make another case for him, and uh, now, oh, he's found his consistency now. Uh, it's only a matter of time. What about Surf Dancer? We're jumping back to Sydney now here, Duff. A couple of texts here about Surf Dancer and your thoughts. Uh, this is the uh, the China Horse Club runner that uh, Rachel King and. Um, Arapaho, they uh, they got the job just out in front running along. Oh, I was hardly running along. It was a fair of gift. Um, I've never seen a slower, you know, the, uh, them hand it to a, a leader and then they had the hide to just still leave it. She, I, I thought she'd quicken at the 700 because she'd had it so easy, but Rachel just kept hold of him. I had a little distance risk coming into the race, but, you know, they got to the, uh, they even got round the turn before she let go and all he had to do was amble down the straight. So, a funny race. Um, Arapaho obviously didn't get the conditions or the speed that he did last time, so he, he went okay. And I thought Skyman was the, the, by far the run of the race. He he given in a big start in a race that you wouldn't expect them to make ground in. And he can Chris has got him in Sydney now. I think he's just been poking around getting fit in Melbourne, and he's one of my horses to follow as far as maybe one of these you know staying cups uh, winter cups that are coming up he'll pick he'll pick a mark for him i don't know grafton cup i don't know but he'll find a race for him chris and he'll win shortly skyman all right uh, what about uh, niffler on the card as well duff yeah nice um improver lightly raced did it well same thing we're, we're, we're talking uh, it's easy to get carried away we might have egg on our face but up at the right time of the year going well and a, a, a comprehensive win 
And that All was right. Jason Collett's first win back in town since he had the fall in the in the autumn. So, um, and it was a it was a pretty ride, wasn't it? He just sat in behind them, and the race was over a long way from home. If if Niffler just had to turn a foot, and she did. Okay. Uh, now I'm going to give another wrap here too because a couple of texts on the text line. We were just talking about Jared Austin taking horses down south. Did everyone catch Winning Verse winning at Caulfield? The uh, Mark Connors is filly. No, that, that was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, Saturday, last Saturday, wasn't it? Not last Saturday gone, but the Saturday before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, did yeah, you pay for it with a couple of bottles of red, Dave? No, I didn't. Uh, I missed it completely, unfortunately. I need to find one of them this week to pay for everything. But uh, did you touch on it last Monday? Uh, yeah, I think there was a couple of Sydney horses that trifected a, a couple of races there, so it just shows when they got off those wet tracks in Sydney, they they swung them to Melbourne and um, and they just went bang, bang, bang. You know, trifected at good odds in two races there and Christian and again on Saturday were all waiting to back Bella Rouge and he kept scratching her and she arrives in Melbourne second up there and she's about $7 into about $3.40 and gets the money as well. What do we do with newlywed uh, Munns? Uh, well, Dave, it's it was one of those horses on Saturday. It was a Hawks, you know, it uh, was in both places, was in Flemington, was in uh, Rose Hill. Uh, it only come off winning a maiden, uh, albeit impressively, uh, at Newcastle. And uh, that race that it went into on Saturday wasn't probably the strongest race of all time, but um, Niffler was coming out of a Wednesday race. I'll tell you what, for a hot Wednesday, uh, for a, just a Wednesday race, geez, the format of the, the race on the Kenzo track, well, Ida, she should have been right in the finish on Saturday. Saturday. Oh. She beat Niffler. Niffler's won on Saturday. Fine Point ran third. It won on Wednesday at Warwick Farm. And the horse of Clary Connors, Seagrill, ran fourth, and it won at Warwick Farm on Wednesday. So that's a very, very good form race. And if you if you were on either on, on Saturday at the good odds, uh, you probably didn't really want me bringing that up. I saw yeah, Bjorn Baker after, the, after that race, and it did set drove him to drink. Yeah, awful. What, quicker? Awful. Um, What do we do with Ida? Because that Ida's one of those horses, though, guys. That uh, you know, it's a long time between drinks, isn't it? Yeah, I think they've been playing with the distances, Dave. And and to me, I think she's a fourteen, sixteen hundred meter max horse. I know she was placed in the Orange Cup and they had it in. um, Well, they had it in Wellington for the Wellington Cup. I think it drew Barrier Seventeen. Uh, then the races were transferred to Dubbo, uh, and she came up with 18. Or she had 18 at Wellington and then 17 at Dubbo. But um, I think she's her absolute peak performances to me are fresh around about 1,400. So, um, you know, 1,500 on Saturday was, was in the sweet spot. And uh, I, I thought she was, you know, right in that race on Saturday. And I couldn't believe she was double figures in the race. But... Um, you know, she had. Well, she did firm up pretty good on Saturday. Uh, there wasn't a coin for Wicklow, and uh, they just got it wrong. He made. He might have just been a bit ring rusty, Wicklow, uh, because he hadn't had a run for eleven months and only had the one barrier trial. But they all said he looked well and everything like that. But it was two dollars thirty to four dollars forty, mm. and ran accordingly. He he looked like he um, just needed the run, and and at the when he got a bump, he just sort of switched off a bit. So I think we'll we'll we won't. Um, sack him on that run, but just keep an eye on where he's going from now on in. Alright. Uh, now, uh, a few more text messages here. I might come to you guys. I know, Chris, you love your UK racing. Uh, this Derby winner, uh, which won on, was it Saturday night? Or Sunday night? I can't Saturday remember. 
it was Saturday night. Uh, they're saying it's uh, one of the best ever. It was, you know, a, an absolute beast. Um, what did you make of it, Chris? And if any of you other gents have got any comments over there? Well, well, it just got to it got got in the straight, and when that when they when it when it let go, it just went away from them so quickly and had had a bit on them. I think I think the Oaks is a pretty good race over there too. Tuesday beat um won that for Cornwall, but the two horses in that were were really good. I think you'll see all these horses in the King George later in the season. So, um, they look like they're a good group of three. He looks like he's a clearly the best colt, and I think the two fillies are pretty handy as well. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know our northern correspondent Jocka Logley was very keen on the run of the third horse in the Derby. Ah, uh, the Judmont uh, horse, yes. Yeah, they got strung up at about, uh, oh, probably about the four hundred there and ran on. But um, just speaking of the Derby, did you see the photo they pasted uh, of all the the old jockeys, yes, uh, and yeah. the current jockeys as well, all dressed in the Queen's colours? I didn't know the Queen had that many colours. Um, there, uh, some great old jockeys, uh, so, uh, British so jockeys. There, were they were they just riders who had ridden for the Queen? Were they, you know, all the jocks that had ridden for the Queen? Because obviously there was a few other jocks uh, that were in the room that obviously weren't in that photo, or if I might have that misread. Yeah, that, I, I, I don't know what of... the what the the process was. I, I think they may have. Well, Tommy Marquand was in the photo. Oyson Murphy, uh, Frankie Dettori, Steve Cawthon. Uh, all the old Richard Hills, all the old time uh, British jockeys there. Were, um, uh, Ryan Moore was in the photo, um, but it was an ama- amazing to see, um, you know, all the older uh, older jockeys there, all uh, sporting the colours of Her Majesty uh, to celebrate her platinum jubilee. Yeah, Good I trivia what, question. What, what, I think what it was was they um, they they thought she, the Queen was going to be at the Derby because she generally goes there and. She she just didn't, didn't make it, so they 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 still had the jockeys there in the Queen's colours. So mm. I don't think it's something you could do at Royal Ascot. No, there's a, a tri- sort of trivia question going on. I don't know the answer to this. Someone out there might know. But what Aussie jockeys have in Australia have worn the Queen's colours here? I reckon McAvoy would be. You could tick him off. But then I was well, going through. You've got a couple, but this is that horse she had here last a uh, couple of weeks Carlton ago. House. Yep. The, the, the recent one that Chris has got, I think, um, who wrote it first up there? was might have been an apprentice that could put the colours on. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I remember doing a story of Kieran about that horse, and he he told the boy the boys that he his boys that he was going to ride, and they were more excited about that than him winning an Everest. So you know, it's one of those it's one of those things. They're pretty special colours, and when you see them up 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 close there the gold's embroidered so it's uh they they make a um they they're pretty special i think james mcdonald even said when he put them on you know you feel a bit special doing it so yeah well carlton house what was be... ridden by huey bowman tommy berry nashville willer and karen mcavoy yeah that horse of the queen that run in the i think it was Damien Dam- 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 yep. thornton i think damien thornton may have ridden it yeah. hmm. okay um, all right. Uh, now, um, looking ahead, boys, uh, to this week. So obviously we've got this uh, the Q twenty two, and uh, what is it? Whoever is a two eighty favourite there. Just, just can you have a look at the before we wrap up uh, Munns the futures for the Q twenty two and the strap break? Just to and the JJ. Just what's the what's the worst result for Tab or, or the best backed at the moment? 
Okay, looking at the Stratty, Dave, uh, we've got Ayrton, the favourite, at 5 over 11-11-7, Apache Chase at 8, and Alligator Blood at 9. Worst way there at the moment is 11-11. Um, In the JJ, political debate, 350 over She's a Belt of 4, Sharp and Smart, 6, and then 11 each of 3, Brayton, Brosnan and Owen County. Uh, worst way there at the moment is Lethal Thoughts, who's a $15 chance. And in the Q22, it's Wethore, $2.80 favourite over Maximal at five, Hopeful at six, and then $11 for Great House, LaDon de V and The Chosen One. And the worst way there is Wethore in that race there. Now, just quickly, Dave, sorry before we get to horses to follow. I had a question yesterday on Twitter regarding deductions, and you know how I love them. Yes. Um, there was a race at Musselbrook yesterday, and there was five scratchings, and the gentleman was asking why the third and fourth horses scratched had the biggest deduction. Well, first of all, um, the, the emergencies come into the field and replace the scratching, and it's depending on the prices. But the first horse out was a $26 chance. It was replaced by the first emergency. It was $8.50, so no deduction taken for it. The second scratching was a $31 chance uh, and replaced by... Uh, an emergency who was about $15, so no deduction taken there. But the next horse out was a, was a $3.50 chance, so, and it was replaced by an emergency who was $67. So they only took $0.17. So they're entitled to take about 25 but they only took 17 And then the next horse out was an $8.50 chance. Well, there was no more emergencies, and they only took $0.07 cents for that. So um, it's an automated system that takes the deductions. There was a race there at Rose Hill on Saturday where Showtime Lady was an emergency, and they originally took a $0.04, cent, or maybe even more, might have been $0.08 cent deduction for it but it was literally it was only in the field for 15 minutes so they overrode that to take it back to zero so it's it's heavily dependent on what price the emergency is coming into the field to what price the horse it is replacing beautiful chris you follow that duff you got that any any other deduction questions for uh for months Uh, now, Duff, uh, you're off, mate. Um, enjoy your break. Enjoy your holiday. Obviously, we're going to have you a part of Sky Thoroughbred Central this week leading up to uh, the Stradbroke and, of course, looking at uh, racing in Sydney. And then after that, you're off for a well-earned break, mate, and we'll see you back uh, for a massive spring. Thanks, Dave. Uh, just a couple to follow, although it's a difficult time of year. I think long-term, I Penko. Short-term, as long as we get to, you know, soft fives or sixes, I think Harvey's way is a formality, him winning a midway, and Skyman or win one of these staying races. Fantastic. Uh, Chris, what's your horses to follow? Um, well, have a good trip, Duff, if I don't see you beforehand. And, um, it's been a pleasure doing this show for the last couple of weeks. I, I should mention Dino's a bit, bit crook, so I got caught off the bench, so um, I hope he gets better soon. Yeah, our thoughts with uh, Dino too as well. He is a bit crook, so hopefully he's fighting fit for the, uh, the weeks ahead for our winter edition too. I, I, I like Chris Wallace too, Phillies. I like Easter Way. I thought he got home really well well in the in the eighth race there on the weekend. And Joviality had absolutely no luck. And I think you can just put a line through that run and it, it will take the fitness from that and be very hard to beat next start. And I think there's one there of Joe Pride's, King of the Castle. It just looked like it needed that run. And I think it'll be ready to win next time. I think it was 40 to 1 on the weekend. And hopefully um, he starts a similar price next time. Oh, it gets me every time, that dog, man. So it's, 
It's been oh, a welcome addition to Punter's Post Mortem, mate. Um, it is, Marley. Say good day to the boys, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, I, I'm going to stick with High Blue Sea in the first, Dave. I think it was a bit of a hidden run. Wouldn't be surprised if Brad Gray makes it his uh, hidden gem in Punter's Intelligence tomorrow. Irish Angel. Now, she's desperate to come back in distance. I think 1,100 metres is her absolute sweet spot. 1,200 metres has always been a, just a bridge too far for her. And dynamic impact. If you're on it at Scone and you're on it on Saturday, it was disadvantaged on Saturday by coming back from 13 to 12. It's ready now to go bang in a 1,400. You said a dog's name was Marlo. No, Marley. No, Marley. Okay. Marley. Marley, like the country. And Marley. If she doesn't behave herself, she could be shipped there very quickly. <laughs> what is she barking? What is she barking at, mate? Well, we've just installed a doggy door, uh, Dave, in the back, and she's just practicing how to use the doggy door. Right. So if you know any midgets there that are housebreakers, there's a, you know, there's a there's a doggy door in the back here to you know come so in. So this is this is your dog. This isn't a, a dog that one of the kids have got. That now you're no no I've know. only no 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 everyone's got a dog now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We like Wentworth Parky shortly. I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, get it around the 5.20. Uh, have a wonderful week. Now, uh, next week, take note, everyone, Punters Postmortem will be on Tuesday, of course, long weekend next weekend. So no racing on Monday. Uh, no um, Punters Postmortem on the Monday. Where are they racing on the, uh, the Warwick Monday? Warwick Farm, Dave. Warwick Farm. Uh, Warwick next Farm, week. Musselbrook, I think, and somewhere in Brisbane because I'm going to Warwick Farm. Okay, so you're at Warwick Farm next week. So yeah, we will have we'll a... have um, a, just a standard... Oh, sorry, stand, it's a Saturday-type format on the wireless here on Monday morning. Yep. So we'll have uh, Racing HQ. Haynes, you'll be there from 6.30. And we'll have the full preview on Warwick Farm. We'll have a Melbourne preview, a Musselbrook preview, a Brisbane preview, and then all just a normal Saturday format on Monday for the public holiday. Is That's that correct. Dave needs another day off? Yeah, probably. Oh, probably. And the other thing, yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. And the other thing as well, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, but that Warwick Farm meeting next Monday, they're doing something special for the kids, aren't they? Is free that entry. Uh, yes. It's free, free entry, entry for and, and there might be some activities on. Watch this mm. space. Yeah, for well, that uh, public holiday The meeting. General Manager of Communications for the ATC is probably listening at the moment, Brett Devine, if you'd like to call in and give it uh, a free wrap because you've got a full preview coming up with Thangul, Dave. Yep, Thangul, and we're going west to Richard Bell and Northern. So oh, uh, with, we're going to try and find some winners today. Well, with I'm trying to go west to... Um, uh, Milpera at a Bankstown Golf Club, Dave, to hit off in 22 minutes. And Well, um, I'll let you go. I'll, Both I'll of you. I'll say goodbye. Enjoy. Enjoy the golf there, uh, today. Very, Bye. very windy today. So I'm tipping they'll be in for a tough round out there at Bankstown. Uh, that's been Punders Postmortem. It's eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks, everyone, for your calls and plenty of text messages which uh, came through as well. So we really thank you for getting involved. As mentioned uh, by Glenn, next week will be Punders Postmortem on Tuesday morning. And, of course, we'll be uh, recapping the weekend that was next week.